What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Tool Shed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From the MLB draft all the way to the show, we're here to help give you the edge in your dynasty leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. Welcome in to another episode of the Tool Shed with Clegg and Cross. This is episode 248. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Eric Cross. And with me, as usual, is my 80 grade and tired co host, <laughs> Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, how's it going, bud? Big emphasis on tired because coming back from the West Coast, it uh, kicks you in the rear. The time change is pretty crazy, and you want to stay up and talk to everybody out there at first pitch. So, yeah, there was nights we stay up till 1.30 a.m. You know, on the West Coast, and that's 4.30 our time. And so, lack of sleep. And I even got home yesterday, and I didn't even go to bed early. Like, I was tired all day. I went to bed at like 11.30, which was dumb on my part, so... Here I am still tired, probably going to go to bed right after recording this. It is 8.40 p.m. Eastern, so when we're done, probably crashing pretty hard. But yes, I'm tired. I'm good. Certainly miss Arizona, but it is good to be home. It sure is. And yeah, it was pretty funny. My daughter tonight was like, why are you doing your podcast tonight? Usually you'd be doing it on Monday nights lately. And I was like, well, yeah, but Chris and I just came back across the country. You know, I had a red eye. Got back into Boston around 7 a.m., then drove up to Maine. Chris, you left, what, 6-something in the morning? Yeah, so we got up at like 3.30 to go to the airport. Yeah, so, so not neither one of those, you know, flight times is, is fun. And, yeah, it's very tired. Getting, it's always an adjustment coming back. I think even more so than when we go out there. But usually when we go out there, it's like, oh, the first day you're tired, but then you kind of get over it. It's like multiple days when you come back. But. Yep. Yeah, it was a lot of fun though. Great first pitch Arizona conference as usual. You know, Brent, Ray, and and the whole team at Baseball HQ put on a phenomenal, and you know, event every single year. A lot of great panels. Just seeing you know old friends meeting new friends. And then obviously all the all the baseball that we took in. We went to five AFL games plus the home run derby and the Fall Stars game. So a lot of fun. Kevin Alcantara did not look good in the home run derby though. Very unimpressed by that but still hey still a fun derby fun all-around time at the afl and we're going to talk about a lot of our live looks a lot of some notes we took and observations we have on on a bunch of players we had a few interviews we took out there with colson montgomery jace young and eric brown jr so we will kind of fit those in the episode 
uh, at the appropriate times here. But before we get into everything, the usual housekeeping. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I'm Aircross04. Shows at Toolshed Pod. If you enjoy the podcast, please rate and review. And make sure to check out both of our personal platforms, the DynastyDugout.com and ToolshedFantasy.com. Four more work from each of us, including all of our Dynasty, Prospect, and FYPD rankings. All right, Chris, let's start with the AFL Fall Stars game MVP. Colson Montgomery had a big home run. You know, We both got video of it. Me from right during the game when it happened, and Chris got the camera and the open face look of that as well. So go check those if you want to see the, the majestic home run that Montgomery hit. Overall, you know, Montgomery hasn't been bad by any means out in the AFL, but this seems like he's pressing a bit. 25 strikeouts, just six walks in 19 games, 86 plate appearances. So watching 244, 302, 423, six base hits, and three home runs. What have been, uh, what have been your takeaways here from Colson Montgomery from what we saw, Chris? Well, I, I'm a little concerned from like an injury standpoint. He played all AFL, but he played with a back brace on Friday. He did not in the Fall Stars game on Sunday. So that's obviously a concern right off the bat is that, you know, what kind of health are we looking at? He seemed completely healthy on Sunday night in the Fall Stars game. However, you know, he had two hits. He had a monster home run, and it, it he didn't look to be in any pain at all. So it was interesting to see, like, that he was playing with a back brace earlier in the week. But uh, smooth at shortstop. I think everybody thinks he's just going to move off. But again, you'll see in the interview, we are talking about a kid that was a big-time basketball recruit as well. He's a good athlete. He's capable of sticking at shortstop. Doesn't play basketball anymore, though, I ask him. Uh, <laughs> he's doing his job playing baseball. But the kind of athlete that he is, like I don't think that he's going to have to move over. Like, Yeah, he's got a big frame, and everybody wants to kind of comp him to Corey Seager. But I'm not really – I don't know. Like, it's – it's almost like a more athletic Corey Seager. He's t- he's as tall as Corey Seager, but he's not quite as thick, and he's he's just really good athlete. So I'm not writing him off at all. I will say Friday night we did see him swing and miss at seven of eight pitches that he swung at. And I talked to a White Sox scout that was out there earlier in the fall, and we kind of agreed on the sentiment that we felt like that Colson Montgomery was just trying to do a little bit too much. Like trying to pull balls, trying to show big power. And Colson's at his best when he is ultimately making contact, hitting the ball up the middle, which I mean, he is a high contact hitter. So that's what he does. And let the power come. I mean, he's got natural power. He doesn't need to try to kill the ball. So I I would say that he's trying to do a little bit too much. And ultimately, I believe that he'll be okay, health permitting. I think that. He's probably going to be in Chicago by midseason 2024 because you know they turned down the option or they I guess cut Tim Anderson. The only thing had an option it was just just let him go. So there's an opening at shortstop, and they're not likely to go out and find a long term player there. I think they're gonna maybe get a placeholder, or they can go internally. They've got several guys that have been in the majors already kind of floated around AAA that's possible they could play short for a little while. But I think as long as he's healthy, Colson Montgomery's going to get a shot next year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you hear that they're – I don't know how much truth there is or how much validity there is to this rumor, but that they're talking with – or at least interested in Paul DeYoung, which is just a very typical White Sox move. I think right. I heard Whitmere – obviously Whitmere don't play short, but 
yeah, I think they've opened up that shortstop position for him. And yeah, we talked about, you know, with him about, you know, him playing short, you know, you know, playing hurt, all that stuff. So let's get right into that though. Here is the interview that we took with AFL fall stars game, MVP Colson Montgomery. All right. We got Colson Montgomery here, MVP mm-hmm. of the fall stars game. How's yeah. that feel, man? It's, it feels good. I mean, especially you see all these, these very talented players out here and for me to do what I did tonight was, it was awesome. You know, I mean, you never know what's going to happen on a day to day basis. Yeah. So the fact that I could do this tonight was cool. Yeah, for sure. Battled injuries this year. Yeah. So how did it feel to come out here and have a healthy fall league? Just mm-hmm. getting back in the swing of things. Yeah, no, it was good. I mean, I, I kind of had a good feeling. I was coming to the fall league after missing quite a bit of the, of the season, but I mean, I, I feel like this is where you can learn the most. You know, you're yeah. playing against the best guys, and you kind of learn a lot about yourself. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Is there anything in particular you've been working on out mm-hmm. here? Obviously, you're working on everything, yeah. but anything in particular, mm-hmm. like maybe a swing? Yeah, no, I would say mostly it's in the field. I'm just trying to stay really consistent, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of people think I'm not a shortstop, but, I mean, this is a great time to prove that Absolutely. I am a shortstop. You know, yeah. they, can, they can see you against see me against some of the best shortstops or wherever best guys in the minor leagues, and they can kind of see how I stack up against guys. But at the play, I just kind of do the same thing I always do. Yeah, it was, it was fun seeing you, you and uh, Brian Ramos out mm-hmm. here. Oh, short, yeah. Shortstop and third, you know, mm-hmm. third base, holding on that left side mm-hmm. of the infield. It's good oh, to yeah. see you out there. Yeah, no, he's he's a great player, too. He's nails at third, and he kind of battled with some injuries, too. So yeah. having him out here, I mean, he's proven – a lot during the year and especially here in the fall league of that he's he's a dude too in the white Sox that are it's kind of underrated you know yep. kind of under the radar so i mean i, I feel like he doesn't get enough credit absolutely absolutely agree yeah. yeah so you mentioned the shortstop thing yeah you're a freak athlete dude yeah. you were a big time <laughs> basketball player too yeah. you still play any ball uh i mean Technically, I don't think I'm really allowed yeah, to. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I, I'll shoot around <laughs> yeah, there, yeah. you know, with my buddies, but I won't play any pickup yeah. games and stuff. So, yeah, I, hear I mean, it. I kind of just mess around pretty much. But yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm playing baseball for a living now, That's so right. I'm, I'm all focused, <laughs> I'm focused on that. That's right. Absolutely. Now, what's next for Colson Montgomery? Obviously, go home, get a little rest. Mm-hmm. But what are, what's like? What's next the offseason? What are some 2024 yeah. goals for uh-huh. you? Uh, I mean, Cabo's next for me. There you go. Going go. to Cabo. Yeah, there you go. Going for, yeah, for a vacation. But, I mean, what's next is just kind of build off the fall league, kind of learn about a lot of things that I did here, you know, yep. take away some of the things I didn't do well and then take away some of the things I did do really well. But, I mean, just go into the off season with uh, a lot of confidence that some crazy things could happen next year. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, hoping for a healthy 2024 yeah. for you full season. I think we'll see you in Chicago yeah. at some point Hopefully, next season. Absolutely. Hopefully, yeah. We're rooting for you, man. Yep. Hey, thank, you. thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks, and congrats Colson. on the MVP win. Yep. Appreciate it, All right. Again, that was White Sox shortstop prospect and AFL Fall Stars game MVP, Colson Montgomery. I like that you brought up, Corey, before we get into the next player here, I like that you brought up Corey Seager. I think that's the kind of type of shortstop he will be, you know, not one that brings a ton of speed to the table like most shortstops do these days, but one that'll have, you know, the majority of his impact being with the bat. I don't think he's as good of a bat as Seager is, but, you know, this is going to be a really good bat for a long time. Definitely, you know, a top 50 prospect right now. And, yeah, definitely someone I think we see uh, before, probably before the All-Star break. I mean, he got up 37 games in double-A. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence if he starts back there. If they put him in triple-A, we'll see. But, Regardless, we probably see him fairly soon. Let's go to one of the other big name prospects, a uh, big name shortstop prospects out in the Arizona Fall League, and one that we had a chance to, well, both the Welsh and Frank Stample interviewed him. And we had a chance to talk with Carson Williams before the Fall Stars game. We were on the field for batting practice. 
love the swing. Like it's a very beautiful swing. The ball sounds different off his bat. Like we were out there for again before batting practice and just seeing these guys up close and personal, interacting with one each other, and then obviously near the cage for batting practice. And the ball just sounds different off his bat. It has that sound to it. Obviously, you know the big power, speed one. He's a great athlete, great defender. Could be a Gold Glove defender. Coming off a 23 homer, 20 steal season between most of that was high A, then a little bit in double A and a little bit in triple A near the end of the season. But one thing that was very obvious uh, watching a couple of his games that he is just getting fed, you know, barely any fastballs. I, I could probably count the number of fastballs Williams got in what we see him three times including the Fall Stars game, Chris, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. I, right. I think I can count the number of fastballs he got on one hand. I mean, he was just getting fed, you know, breakers and change ups. And, you know, that is concerning. I mean, obviously, we know the upside's there. But, Chris, do you think that Montgomery, excuse me, Williams makes enough contact to kind of flourish as a, you know, the impact fantasy shortstop that he has the potential of being? Yeah, I mean, so he's slicking the field. He's a natural shortstop. He's going to stick there. He's young, which I think is worth uh, noting that he's still got plenty of a development time. But, you know, I would be lying to you if I said I wasn't concerned about him swinging and missing it. Bring balls, and he acknowledges that. Like he talked, he's talked about that and needing to work yeah. on that. And so it seems like the kind of player that can figure that out and, and make it work. I, I truly believe that. He's a, a really fun player, really fun to be around. Like, Seems like he is both serious when he needs to be, but fun when and cutting up when he, you know, is off the field. Loves Fortnite. <laughs> Get that <laughs> if you saw the interview. But with with the bat, you know, he matches fastballs. He's very athletic. He's got power. He's got speed. So it's all just going to hinge on the hit tool. And I think right now you can probably argue that it is below average. But I think that there is a chance that if he's an average hitter, like if he gets to average you know, contact skills, then we're looking at a pretty solid player all around for fantasy. And given the age, I think that it's a real possibility that he kind of figures this out. I'm a, I'm a fan of the profile, and I'm a believer in the talent level, and I'm a believer in the person and player himself. So yep. I'm a bit concerned, but I'm not completely out on him. Yeah, and even if he's like in that 240 to 250 range, like this is a potential 2020 shortstop and someone that absolutely is going to stick there. You know, the path has kind of been cleared, you know, and not not the way you'd want, obviously, obviously with the issues going on with Wander Franco, but it looks like that he's going to be the shortstop of the future there. I get Kevin Arrow's third baseman. It's you know not going to be Basa Bay. That is Carson Williams' spot, so... I'm just hoping he makes enough contact to at least get 240 plus because that could be 2020 type of player. Very, very fun, exciting player on both sides of the ball. Let's keep it in the infield here with James Triantos. And I want to at least personally apologize for saying that he doesn't have much power, even though that wasn't necessarily false. But I think right after uh, we said that or talked about his power a couple was a few episodes ago, he went on the tear, hit like, you know, three or four home runs over the next week or something like that. But James Triantos is just watching Triantos at the plate. Like he is very, he's only 20 years old. He'll turn 21 end of uh, January upcoming. It's very, very advanced at the plate in a, a very, you know, it's a very good, I don't want to say kid, but he's, he's almost 21, but every, everyone younger than me is kid. So that's how you get when you get to your thirties, but it's a very polished hitter. Like he looks well 
you know, like well advanced for his years. It like doesn't look like he's a 20 year old you know, that was in high A and double A this year. And he's had arguably one of the best fall league performances out there. You know, he's, he's hitting 425 right now, 505 OBP, 700 slugging, 11 extra base hits, nine steals, like one of the front runners for AFL MVP. And just a guy that I was just super impressed with the, the quality of his bats. Like, he didn't, you know, do a whole lot. He had a couple, couple hits in our live looks, but. Just someone like again, the quality of the bats are very good. You're not going to fool him very often. And if you if you listen to, oh, uh, which show was this on? I think this was on the CBS. CBS, that's correct. Yeah, both pods I'm thinking of obviously have Chris Welsh on them. But yeah, Manzardo was on Rates and Barrels, and Triantos was on the CBS pod with Chris Welsh and Frank Stample. So if you want to check out that interview, I'd recommend you go over there. But one thing that I took from that, and they're kind of asking him you know, some goals and for 2024. And he said, he said, right off the bat, I want to steal 30 bags. And you look at this past year, he had 16 in 83 games, only caught four times. And obviously it's a guy that's a good OBP guy, 364 OBP last year. So I definitely think he can accomplish it. And, you know, maybe this is, you know, a Nico Horner type profile long-term, but what, what are your thoughts on Triantos, Chris? Seems just like a good kid who's got his head on straight that is ultimately working hard and keeps it kind of simple, which I like. I like the yeah. fact that, you know, he's not trying to overdo anything. He's just making contact and what comes to him is going to come to him. I think that he's arguably going to be the front runner for MVP. Him and another guy we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show, but with James Trianto, it's like, he's not going to be a zero in power. He may be a, uh, 10 to 12 home run bat. That's, that's a possibility, but the hit tool is very good. We saw the exit velocities take a huge step forward this year. He's got decent speed too. Like he's just a good athlete. He's smaller, but I believe that he can make that work ultimately. And he is somebody that I'm willing to invest in. So I think that if you can get Triantos pretty cheap, then I would try to because I think he's going to be a big riser in fall updates. Yep. Um, but overall, like I really like the profile. I'm I'm still in on him, or I'm I'm more in on him than I was because I had him pretty low, and I've corrected that. But same, uh, yep. Yeah, I'm I'm well in on him. Yeah, and this is the profile that always gets undervalued. Like I said, both you and I guilty of that ourselves. You know, just because not the it doesn't wow you. Like there's not huge power. But again, he's a very advanced hitter, very mature approach at the plate, solid speed, you know, a little bit of pop. Yeah, I think he's have a very good major league career. Probably a guy that hits top of the order too. Like I can see him being a leadoff hitter, number two guy, something like that. So definitely uh, very impressed with Toronto, with Toronto. And was rocking the North Carolina swag. He was a commit there, which I did. I did not know that he was drafted to high school, obviously, but uh, he was a North Carolina commit. I'm a big UNC guy, and he was rocking the the UNC baby blue polo shirt when he was interviewing with with frank and welsh so gotta love that as well moving over a couple other guys here that were really impressive in our, in our live looks the guys that had multiple hits each gabriel rincones and of the philadelphia phillies and brian ramos of the chicago white Sox. we'll start with ramos obviously we already talked montgomery i think a lot of people kind of assume that montgomery's got to kind of slide over to third base and that where does that push Ramos but I don't think so actually Ramos excuse me uh, but I don't think so I think that could be the potential future less out of the infield 
for the Chicago White Sox. And Ramos has been hitting very well out there, hitting 280, four home runs. He had a home run in our live look at another walk-off grand slam in a game we were not at, unfortunately, because all three games that night were at the same time. So that kind of stunk to miss, miss that. But he's a guy that he's just been making a lot of loud contact. Sometimes they were right at people, but a lot of loud contact. And, you know, this is another guy that's kind of sneaky good. Like, doesn't, doesn't put up huge numbers in the minor leagues, but you know, he's been hitting, you know, in that 260, 270 range each of the last couple of years. And this is a potential, you know, 20 plus homer bat. Not going to provide much speed, but the bat is solid. And I think the bat's pretty underrated this well. Maybe he's 25 home runs. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Chris? Like, how high? Obviously, he's going to need to be impactful with the bat as a guy that's not going to provide much speed, but just how impactful do you think that bat could be? It's good. I mean, the frame is much better than I expected. He's He honestly looks a little thicker on film, but he's got 20 pounds left to add into his 6'3 frame. And he's already showing pretty good juice as well, like good pop. And his exit velocities were really, really good this year. So I'm willing to say that he's got more in there because he just looks like a really, really good athlete. I mean... You know, this year he had a 106 mile an hour 90th percentile exit velocity, which is well above average. Like that's probably plus range considering his age, and a max of like 113. Pretty good stuff. And you know, I think he's pretty serviceable in the field. Like he's there's some talk of him playing second. Obviously, we saw him playing third a lot, but he's got juice, and I think he's got enough contact skills to make it work ultimately. And I'm uh I'm pretty invested in him. I put him like in the top 80 in August. And I think that you know, he may have room for a little more. I think that there's 30 home run pop in here that if he continues to fill out that frame, there's a lot to like here with Brian Ramos. And him and Colson were fun to to watch together in that same infield. Yeah, they absolutely were. Now, who do you like more long-term? I know they you know different positions, but let's keep it with the White Sox here. Would you, like five years from now, who's more valuable? Brian Ramos or Oscar Colas? Probably Ramos. There was some that's, stuff that's that was said today. To, yeah. Chris Getz was talking about Colas today, and it was like, okay, yeah, I'm not sure I'm all that interested in Colas <laughs> anymore. He was talking about how he needed to be in AAA and get more work, and hopefully he learned what it takes to be a major leaguer. Like, that's, I don't yeah, know. It like It doesn't sound too good. Like, I, I didn't see that, but it, that doesn't sound uh, promising. Yeah, <laughs> the quote was, I think he probably benefits – with more time in Charlotte, which is their AAA, quite honestly. We hope he learns from his major league experience, takes advantage of what he's been exposed to, which is what it takes to be a major league player. That's a that's a really interesting way to word that. So <laughs> yeah, sure. It kind of makes you think, you know, like what else is kind of going on behind the scenes that you know, we don't know about with with Oscar Colas. But all right, let's go ahead and take a actually no, we gotta talk about Gabriel Raconas before we take a break. And the other one that's, you know, he really impressed me. Like he's had a, you know, a good, not great AFL showing. Actually, he's, you know, he's hitting 295, 427 OBP, eight extra base hits, 14 steals, but, you know, everyone's running wild out there. But Gabriel Rancone is coming off a year. He had 15 home runs and 32 steals in the minor leagues this year, 120 games between low A, Clearwater, and high A, Jersey Shore. This after stealing just four bags in 80 games you know, previously before the draft, you know, between college and, and summer balls, like, so guy that's running more. And we saw that, you know, he was very aggressive on the base pass quality of his bats were very good. He's putting the bat on the ball, driving it to all fields. And this is a guy that another one that I think I had underranked. And I, you know, I don't think he's a top 100 guy, but 
you know, Chris, we think it's fair to say that Rincones is probably, you know, should be a what top 150 guy right now. Yeah, I think that he probably falls into that 150 to 200 range for me. He's impressive. He's very aggressive on the base pass. Stole another tonight. Puts him up to 15. He's a big and physical guy. Yeah, he does a lot of things really well. And man, he just really flew under the radar this year. I'm I'm upset I didn't catch on sooner, but it was 15 15 30 this year, which isn't bad. And you know, played in some hitter or some pitcher friendly environments rather. Had some gaudy EV numbers. Like we saw him show some pop in the home run derby where he was like just hitting some monsters. And so yeah, I think I'll be pretty heavily invested in Rincones. And I don't know. I, just, I think that he's a lot better than anybody's really giving him credit for, and he's going to get a big bump for me. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely underranked him, and you know, I, I think the the thirty two steals is kind of was really surprising to me. But after seeing how aggressive he was, and he, he was only caught six times this past year, so it wasn't like he was running a lot and getting caught a lot. Thirty two out thirty eight. That's really good. That quick math. That's like eighty three ish percent or so. Walked well above ten percent. You know, see where the average ends up. But yeah, definitely a lot to like in that profile, and I think the perceived value on him is. is not nearly as high as it should be. So a great value target in Dynasty Leagues for sure. All right, let's hit that break real quick. We'll come back and talk plenty of more names. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Welcome back. Let's go over to Jace Young now with the Detroit Tigers. I got that, you know, if you look at his stats, you're probably wondering, like, why are they talking about Jace Young? Not having like a phenomenal fall. Does have a 446 OBP, but hitting 244, only has one home run, three extra base hits in 13 games. But he is one of our interviews, so we had to work him in here to this episode. But the interesting thing, though, that we talked about, and you hear about, about this in a second in the interview, he's, you know, learning a new position out there. You know, he's playing third, he's only played third base out in the AFL after playing only second base in the minors this year and in, in his last two two years at West Michigan. So it should be at uh, in, in college as well. I mean, so was played at West Michigan this year in the minor leagues, but uh, yes, new position for, for Jace young. Now, you know, both the young brothers are at the hot corner. So that's what he's been working on out in the AFL. Now, obviously he, Young's profile will look a little bit better at second base, obviously, because, you know, less offense at the position. But what do you think of Young's profile at third base, Chris, moving forward? Well, it is it is interesting. I mean, since 2020, he's only played – as a freshman year, he played mostly 
at third, 17 games. But since that season, just one total game at third base in his entire career, as you mentioned, just second base in the minors so far. So it is a big move. And ultimately, I don't know. Like, I think that's weighing on the offense some. Like, I really do believe that that's been part of the reason that he's struggling is that he's trying to play a new spot. And he had a good year in high A and double A. He had 28 home runs, some sneaky pop in there. And he certainly plays up in OBP format as well. Uh, It's an interesting swing. It's interesting hand position, but it already kind of gets, you know, where he starts is already kind of where he needs to be. So that's certainly interesting to look at and watch. But, you know, I, I think that he's a sneaky profile, good third baseman. I think there's power in there that we haven't seen. You see the OBP skills you know, during the regular season. He's got a 446 OBP right now in the AFL. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty intrigued, but I think the floor to be a fantasy relevant third baseman is a lot higher than second especially considering the pop that he has. Like his pop at second base kind of makes him like Nolan Gorman-esque. When you go over to third base, like it kind of just negates a little bit when we're looking at that, you know, who else is around you and, you know, what you have to do to be a top-ranked guy. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I still like the profile. And this is one that Young was a player that I was probably a bit lower on. I I didn't think he had this power. I, I thought he'd be more, you know, he was hit tool first. And then would have okay power. And yeah, he's not a huge power guy, but the power has definitely exceeded my expectations. So that's been a nice, pleasant surprise. And and he was a great interview. Very, very, uh, very nice guy. Talked with him about several things. And we'll play that interview for you now. Here is Jace Young from the Detroit Tigers. All right, we got Jace Young with us. Detroit Tigers just wrapped up the Fall Stars game. How's the experience been out here so far for you? It's been good, um, you know, just trying to, you know, come in every day, you know, and grind with these guys and uh, try to put ourselves in a good position every day to play ball. Yeah, for sure. Is there anything in particular you've been working on out here, whether it be in the field or at the plate? No. Um, obviously, I got a new position at third. Yeah. Um, that was kind of the main focus the Tigers told me was, hey, we just want you to learn third base, um, yep. get comfortable over there, you know. It's even bonus that you're getting to play a little bit, you know, and learn it at the same time. So kind of just, you know, trying to hone in on third base uh, a lot more, you know, just trying to learn, basically. For sure. So got to ask, what was it like seeing your brother win a World Series? Oh, it was fun. It was fun. We had we had a good time. Um, yeah. So it was definitely, you know, once once it happens, your brother, you're like, oh, I need yeah. I gotta get one now. Right. Like, oh, I gotta do something like that. You know. You know. Yeah. Create that him, competition, yeah, right? Can't, can't have him one up me. You know. So. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, gonna try to do that too. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, you literally played and then hustled on Wednesday and hustled over there to chase yeah, was, to see that happen. It was oh, cool, yeah. cool seeing you post about it. Yeah. You know, on so on social now. You know, sticking. With, you know, obviously having your older brother being in the major leagues. Like, how big of a help has has your older brother Josh been in your career? Oh, uh, very big. Um, you know, just. We can talk, you know, here and there about certain things, you know, hitting-wise, defensive-wise now. Um, yep, same just, position. Yeah, yeah. so uh, it's been huge. We talked literally the whole year about hitting and, you know, what should I do here, 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 you know, what for struggling. One of us is struggling, like, go dissect their swing, like, oh, okay, you're doing this and this. And, you know, just trying to, you know, make small critiques throughout the year. I think it really helped having him, you know, be like, hey, like, you do this. And then at the end of the year, like, the weights-wise, um, you know, not going all out in the weight room, you know, kind of honing it down, you know, 
doing that transition into off season and then you know hitting it in the off season hard again. For sure. I ask you about your swing. I'm sure you could ask a lot about your hands and the location with the load, but you seem to make it work really well. Is that something you've always been in that position, and is there anything you've tweaked recently? To um, I actually made an adjustment. Uh, my freshman year, uh, my pitching coach actually at Tech, you know, had mentioned something to me about it, and then uh, I worked with uh, my brother, my pitching coach, and my dad, you know, uh, with it, and uh, kind of just went from there. You know, never looked back after that. And now it's just like. You know, making those adjustments, you know, in, in a bat. And, like, tonight was first time ever, you know, coming in off the bench. So, you yeah. know, trying to figure out something, you know, to make contact. Right. I got one off. I go, ooh, that was probably the one I needed to put in play. <laughs> but that's okay. Um, you know, we got to get the next one. Cool. All right. uh, last question for you real quick. What's next for you after the AFL? What's next in the offseason? What are some 2024 goals? Uh, honestly, uh, we'll get there when we get there. Uh, I think we got two games left or something like that. So just trying to – Grind out these last two guys with uh, games with these guys and uh, just heading off season. You know, me and my brother are already coming up with the off season, uh, off season goals and the weight room. Um, so that that will be the main thing. That's the next plan is you know get in the weight room, you know get stronger, you know build up that muscle that uh, kind of lost. Awesome for sure. Thank you so much for your time, Jace Young, Detroit Tigers. Sweet. All right, again that was Jace Young from the Detroit Tigers, former second baseman, new third baseman. We wish him all the best at his new position. Let's go over to the National League Central now with a couple of St. Louis Cardinals prospects, one hitter, one pitcher, Victor Scott and Takoa Roby. Both were very, very impressive. Like Victor Scott might have been the most impressive guy out there in our live looks, at least in my opinion. I'm pretty sure Chris agrees with that as well. It's obviously a lot. When you talk about Victor Scott, you immediately go to the fact that he had 94 steals in the minor leagues this year and already has 16 more in the fall league. So if you add that together, let's say whopping 110 stolen bases in 154 games and looking pretty good with the bat too. You know, he's hitting 272 out there with a 366 OBP, but I think there's sneaky pop out there in the profile. I mean, with Victor Scott, he was just hitting everything just clean, like every, putting the bat on the ball, not, you know, not striking out. He has more walks than strikeouts out there. Only eight strikeouts, 94 plate appearances, and just hitting the ball all over the field. So yeah, some of them have been right at the outfielders, but just the quality of his at-bats have been really, really impressive. And once he gets on base, he is an absolute handful. We even saw him take like 90, I don't know, was it 96, 97 off? The, I think it was the knee. Maybe it was kind of like right above the knee on the thigh, but still. Like, Ooh, yeah, it, it was bad. It looked like it was off the kneecap, and we're like, oh, crap. Did he just you know break his knee or something like that? He was down for a little bit, got up, limped a little bit, but stayed in the game. And then immediately just stole second base. It was just ridiculous. I think, didn't he go to third? Wasn't there an overthrow or bad yeah. throw with the third? Yeah, Prada missed the throw and he yeah. went to third. It was just like, does you know, even a fastball off the knee doesn't stop, you know, Victor Scott from stealing bags. And, you know, you've been saying it, Chris. You know, there's obviously people, I think the easy comp uh, is to Estory Ruiz, but and I 100% agree with this. You think the bat is far superior to Ruiz's. Yeah. And look at what how people valued Esther Ruiz last year. Like, you know, what Victor Scott does is pretty insane. I mean, the speed's there. Like, you can argue both of them as 80 runners. I don't think there's any questioning that. But last week alone, Victor Scott put three balls in play over 105 miles an hour. Like, there's pop here. We're looking at a, a max last year from Esther Ruiz at 109.5, but he had an average EV of 82.7 miles an hour. 
Scott hits the ball much harder. He's got much more juice in the bat. He's got, you know, a lower half that just has such good rotational acceleration, a lot of torque. Like he gets to balls that a lot of people can't from the left side. And he puts a lot of balls in play too, which is encouraging. I saw him, we saw him face a lefty three times. He had a hit every time, which was awesome to see. So now I'm curious about his splits this year. So I'm going to go check those out. If you are, if you want minor league splits, baseball reference has those, which is awesome. No other site does that I'm aware of. Yeah, he's got uh, 324 against lefties last year. Like he's, he's a reverse split guy, which is crazy. But you know, he still hit 298 against righties, so still pretty strong there. Yeah, I think Scott is, you know, just an incredible dude. Like, just gets the job done. He's got pop. And I won't say pop. He's got, like, he may be a 15 home run bat, but he stole 95 bases this year. He's up to 18 now in the AFL. So all that's there, plus the hit tool. I'm pretty intrigued by Victor Scott. I think that think that there's an argument you could talk about him at the very top of that St. Louis Cardinals system at this point. Yeah, I think you kind of have to. I mean, you know, obviously you got Mason Wynn, Tink Hens, but you know, I go up and down where I want to rank Wynn, how I value him long term. And then Tink Hens, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, not trying to get into a Tink Hens discussion here, but he's another guy that's hard to rank. And I, I just don't I don't think he's going to live up to the, you know, the hype or at least not fully. I think he can still be good, but. Yeah, I think he's definitely in that discussion. And you now I'm coming up here. I'm I'm going through the. I know you're in the National League East with your uh, team prospect rankings. I'm currently in the Central. I just finished up the Cubs, so I still got a few to go before I get down to the Cardinals. But yeah, I'm gonna really see how I how I value those three once I really dig in uh, more to the profiles and figure out where I want to rank the three of those. But yeah, I think, and this is not a direct comp by any means. I think people will take it that way. But I think that. Scott is closer to like a Carl Crawford profile than an Arturi Ruiz profile. Like I think they're like Ruiz was like he was the flash in the pan with the power in AAA the previous year. And I think people thought he'd be a better hitter than he was. Obviously, he's not. He can absolutely win you steals, no doubt about it. But the fact that Scott is a much better pure hitter than Ruiz is, so it's gonna be really exciting to see what he can do next year and that was the pick in, in the we talk about it now because we already had the uh, panel uh did the, the, the rookie draft for the baseball hq first pitch panel and that was the pick of yours chris that i liked the most and i was kind of after i because i wasn't really even looking at him you got him like you know late i think it was 11th or 12th round out of 14 and after you made that pick chris and i were back to back and i was like damn that was a pick i should have jumped on like a round or two ago because even if he only plays, you know, even if he only plays like, I don't know, 60, 70 games, you can still get 20, 25 steals out of that. Like the, yeah. this could be like a 60 plus steal pace whenever he's up. We talked with uh, Brian Walton who covers the Cardinals uh, out there before the fall Stars game when we were on the field for batting practice. He doesn't think he's up till late, but you know, even again, even 50, 60 games could be 20 plus steals in, in a league like that. That definitely helps you uh, potentially win that category. So he's going to be a very fun player. Moving over to Roby here. Now he started the Fall Stars game for the National League. The only pitch, you know, you know, they all just pitch an inning each. They can get everybody in, but he was really, really impressive facing the top of the American League lineup. Blank. Who who led off for the American League, Chris? I am completely blanking. Mm, it was not Manzardo or yeah. Delauder. I think they yeah. were two and three. Yeah, they were two three. Somebody led off the game 
Uh, I forget who, who was. was they it? like grounded out or whatever. But then he struck out the louder hit in second. And Minzaro was it? Was it Ryan Bliss? I think Ryan oh, Bliss yeah, hit yeah, like a Ryan chopper. Bliss. It was like a chopper back at the the mound. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So a weak chopper and then strikes out two of the best hitters in the entire minor leagues and probably you know two of the three or four best hitters out there in the Fall Stars game or in the, uh, the Fall League this year in Manzardo and Chase DeLauder and just looking really, really good. Big fastball, curveball combination. He's absolutely impressive and a guy that looked really good after the trade from Texas to St. Louis and that Jordan Montgomery deal. I think that was good, a really good get for St. Louis. I mean, obviously they were falling out of it. Jordan Montgomery, impending free agent, obviously was a great deal for Texas as well. He was a vital part in them winning the World Series. But for what St. Louis got with with Roby and with Thomas Ajayzi, I think that's going to be looking really good for them in a couple of years as well. And four starts with Double A Springfield following that trade. 12 innings, six hits, four runs, three walks, and 19 strikeouts. Only faced 44 batters, struck out 19 of them. Walk rate a little under 7.5% for his career. Another guy, Chris, that I think is being underranked right now. I was guilty of that too. I have updated my rankings. I think he's another guy that's I think top 150 and you know maybe even top 100 early next year. Yeah, I believe that that's fair. I mean, we're looking at a four pitch mix, even though we only got a couple of them in the small sample that we saw in the Fall Stars game. Fastballs up to 97 the other night, set around 95. He drops that curve in. It was in eighty at eighty two miles an hour. You know he has three different velo bands, which is good. He also mixes a changeup and slider. I really believe in this profile. I think that the fastball is just so stinking good that it's going to play. You know at any level, we've seen him dominate hitters before, and I think he's going to do that again. You're looking at seventeen inches of IVB on that. And the curve has negative 15 inches of IVB, so a really good separation there. And then the changeup, while he doesn't throw it very often, it's pretty nasty. It sits around 80, 81. The curve is 80. But the changeup has 15 inches of, of run on it, or fade, which is beautiful pitch. And there's 10 inches of separate, 10 inches of IVB separation between the four seam and the changeup. And ultimately, mixing the slider some, too, is really distinct from the curveball. And... I just believe that we're looking at a true four pitch guy that you know has respectable command, has the ability to get hitters out, and can do a lot of damage. So I think that the Cardinals are gonna be really happy with this trade. Like they weren't re-signing Jordan Montgomery this offseason. So it made sense to make this move. And they they certainly made a good one here getting to Koa Roby. And also they got Thomas to JC in that deal. So yeah, turned out pretty good for him, but yeah, Roby's Roby's legit. Absolutely, yeah. That that was that's gonna be a good. It already is a good deal. I think I think Cardinal fans will be very happy with that return, especially when you know to Jay Z probably in, makes an impact at some point this year. Roby, I mean, not out of the wrong possibility could, but probably more of a, a 2025 impact guy. Maybe maybe to get a cup of coffee. We'll see how early part of the season goes, but yeah, definitely the arrow pointing at both of those guys. But let's, you know, talk about DeLauder and Manzardo. Obviously, two of the better players out here. DeLauder had another home run tonight. Now, there's a lot been made about a swing. I love the swing. I don't I don't care if the follow-through ain't some big follow-through. I really don't. And Manzardo, like the ball, maybe it's because we were in left field for the derby, Chris. We were out, out on, the, on the field, on the uh, hill, out in left field. And obviously, Manzardo's a lefty, so hitting him all his to, to right field. Maybe it's just because of the angle, but his home runs look so majestic. But he was 
he was hitting them. Like his were some of the longest home runs hit at that derby. And I think that's still an area of his game. I think people know he's a really good pure hitter. You know, I think they know that he's better than 237, obviously, than, than he showed this year with everything going on. But I think that's still a kind of a slept on part of his game. I don't think people like the general consensus think that his power is as good as it is. Like I think this could be is, is he gonna be like 35, 40 home runs? No. But could he be a 30 home run bat? Absolutely. I think that power's in there. Yeah, I'm pretty comfortable saying like he's a 25 home run guy, you know, yeah. and he's got a good hit tool. He does a lot of things well. And you mentioned it, man. Those some of those home runs in the Turby were these beautiful risers. And his swing is more geared for line drives ultimately. So it was kind of a surprise to see him hit the amount of home runs that he did so far in the Derby, but they were some shots and he had said he'd never participated in a home run Derby before. He was kind of nervous what it would do to his swing, but man, it was, it was awesome to see. And he's a good dude. He was an impressive interview. He knows ball. Well, he's very analytical, but not overly analytical in the sense of it hurting him per se. But I, I keep saying it, but I really believe that he's going to be the guardians first baseman breaking camp. Like they acquired him for a reason. They gave up a big piece to get him in Aaron Savale. And I just don't believe that they moved Savale to get someone they just want to keep in the minors. You know, it is Cleveland. So there is a chance that he does start in the lower, lower, or not lower, so it was in triple A and eventually gets the bump by May. But I'm also not surprised if he has a big spring training if he just breaks camp. So I think that's a real possibility. I still firmly believe in Kyle Manzardo. And Chase DeLauder, yeah, I'm so tired of his swing being talked about. Is is <laughs> bad? Like, what is a bad swing? If someone can come out and define for me what a bad swing looks like, it wouldn't look like Chase DeLauder's. Yeah, like, definitely the, not. The bat path is great. The vertical bat angle is very, very good. He has a short follow through. Like, I don't. It doesn't bother me. You look at Matt Olson. You look at Mike Trout. You look at Chase Utley. The list could go on of players that have ultimately had short follow-throughs that have power. The dude is six foot four, two thirty-five, and a premium athlete. He doesn't need to just take these massive hacks. He's high contact. He's low chase. He's got power. He's got speed. Like he's pretty well-rounded, and I think that he's someone that's worth betting on. Absolutely, and everyone knows. Like I, I this might be the prospect I tweet about the most. Like it, <laughs> if you looked at like the my, my count of tweets for you know, all prospects over the last like twelve months. I think there's a, a pretty solid chance that the Lauders either number one or at least top three or so. It's, I love everything about Chase Lauder. I've been super on him before the draft. I had him ranked highly in FYPD. And now like, I, I was looking at my rankings and he was in the 30s for me. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, you know, I don't like that. And that's not at all just because, you know, seeing him live for the first time. That's just because I love the profile so much. I, I was like, you know what? I'm moving him up to where I think he should be ranked. And right now I have him ranked 13th overall. And yeah. if you're, you know, subscriber to my Patreon, you already know that. But you know, my because my live rankings. But I think just and he might be top ten before I put out the the big update after all my team update prospect rankings. I think he might even be top ten. Like I liked a lot of that much. It, there's a big power speed blend there. This could be you know twenty five plus home runs, twenty steals. You know, he's shown that he's you know makes good contact. The approach is phenomenal. I, I, let me just give you the strikeout rates for him. In college, in 323 plate appearances, more walks than Ks, and we're talking about a 13.9% strikeout rate. 
in the minors so far in 242 game, plate appearances, 12.4% strikeout rate. And out in the AFL, if you want that as well, oops, if I did hit the right number here, 9.5% K rate, 13 walks to the four, nine strikeouts, excuse me, in 95 plate appearances. Like the approach is there, the contact is good, quality of contact is good, speed is there. Yeah, and he got the double A this year. Manzaro's probably a few months ahead of him, but we can see the lot yeah, in the second half of the season. And I think he's going to be a very good fantasy player for a very long time. All right, let's move over to Jacob Marcy here. So it's funny, you know, Chris and I were watching uh, one, one of the Peoria games, and that Peoria lineup is just absolutely stacked. And this guy, Jacob Marcy, is probably one of the more talked about guys, prospects out in the AFL right now, and one that the, the Helium is pretty high on. Given his performance, you're looking at a 378, 490, 671 slash line. He's probably like the biggest uh, threat to Triantos for AFL MVP. He's got 15 extra base hits, four home runs, 14 steals, 18 walks to 24 Ks. And he was, and you mentioned this, Crystal, like he was bigger than we thought he was. Like he has a very, you know, not thick and a bad, but it's like a thick, strong body. But, you know, obviously we've questioned, our, and you've mentioned the, your, questioning the the power now he had how many home runs did he have this year was that 15 16 home runs this yep. year but you know the evs weren't great and that didn't look like a body that had a lot of projection but are you still kind of in that same line of thinking with with marcy like do you think this is a a guy that you would use you know his performance out here or out there or not out there anymore out in the afl to maybe try to sell high in dynasty leagues oh yeah if i could i think even more so now that you look and you're looking at a 22 year old that is maxed out. I mean, he is thick and strong. Like there's guys that have those thick necks like Mike Trout and that's Jacob Marcy. Like he's got like just a great body. Like he's very filled out, but that filled out body produced to average EV. That would have been the second worst in the majors. It's your mentioned Esther Ruiz earlier. So that does give me a bit of pause. I will say Marcy's done a lot of good things. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a good player. I think he's a top 200 prospect, but he gets talked about like a top 50 prospect. And to me, that equals sell, sell, sell. He's good contact. He's got pretty good speed. But I do wonder, ultimately, if with that body, his speed will tick down over time. It's, you know, it's just interesting. I was a bit surprised when we stood next to him. Just And you kind of notice it when we were you know, watching games during the week, but we were on the field uh, before the fall stars, you know, being close to him. He's a really big boy. I think he's got a good drive. I think he's going to be a good player. I still think that he may profile as more of a fourth outfielder, but in that case, like he's an easy selling dynasty for me. Capitalize on the hype if you can, but honestly, I might wait because lists are going to start coming out like yeah, January, February, and when all the lists are talking about him, like he's going to get way bumped up. Like I've pulled up a video of him right now. I mean, dude's got some thick trunks, like his pants are skin tight. He couldn't have found any tighter pants, man. But uh, he's, I just don't see any projection left there. And the kind of EVs he produced just weren't, weren't that great. And I'm not seeing a ton of like a uh, ton of like efficiency, like, projection left in the swing either like thinks he can tweak to add more power even though he did his fifth home run today like i'm still team sale if i can yeah it's all about perceived value and yeah i think the perceived value is much well i like marcy i think there's a path to fantasy value 
yeah, perceived value is is way way too high right now. And yeah, like, I wonder he, he would give you know a run to with the tight pants. Oh, who's the pitcher with the tight pants? Spencer Strider. <laughs> no, not Strider. It was who? Who was? It was like a big running joke like a year or two ago. Was it Walker Bueller? Did he ever? Oh yeah, pants? I feel like he did have. He had really tight pants too. Yeah. I just remember like everyone was talking about it. A lot of memes are made of it. I think it might have been Walker Bueller. I can't remember, but yeah, Mar- Marcy definitely. And that's that's a great point too. Like yeah, you, you could could you sell high right now? Sure, and you probably still get a decent return. But if you want to really maximize that, that's a great point Chris just made about wait until rankings come out. So everyone's talking about him right now, and that's helping the hype. But when you see hit, you know, ranks start to come out from you know big, you know, individual people and big, you know, overall like you know, basically like baseball America stuff like that, and you can see that hype go even higher. So yeah, that was a great point there. Before we get into our final few players, we had one last interview to get in here. Eric Brown Jr. This interview was just Chris. This is the first interview after the game out on the field. A great interview. So here's Eric Brown Jr., middle infield prospect for the Milwaukee Brewers. All right, we have Eric Brown Jr. with us. Big home run tonight. Another home run earlier in the week. It was absolute missile. Man, it's been an awesome fall league for you so far. How's that felt being out here? I mean, it, like I said at the beginning, it's it's just a, it's a blessing and it's an honor to just be out here to be able to play against all this great competition every single day. And just being able, being able to perform at the level that I've been performing, it, it's, it's, it's a blessing. So For yeah. sure. Yeah, so Coastal Carolina kid. I'm from South Carolina myself. Okay. So uh, it's been fun to follow your journey so far. What's it been like since you've been drafted? Have you, what, you've made some changes in the swing, some adjustments. Is the Brewers been impactful in that? Is that you're doing? What's that been like? Yeah, so like when I first got drafted, the Brewers were big on BU. And so like they just kind of took what I do and then they amplify it. They just try to work with you and try to make you the best version of yourself. And so, I mean, I, I think I got drafted perfectly with the Brewers. I think it's the like best organization for myself. And I think that it's only up from here. For sure. So big home run tonight. What's next for you after this this fall or the fall stars, the AFL? What you doing this offseason? I am relaxing. Relaxing. I hear <laughs> you. I hear you. It's been a long season, it huh? Has been, it has yeah. Been. Yeah. So anything particular that you were out here working on? Uh, I mean, just kind of the day-to-day grinding and, like, taking what I kind of learned from the season. I mean, I, I didn't have the season that I wanted, a, a lot of injuries, and then just trying to figure things out. So getting out here and be, being able to actually, like, focus on certain things and working on – really working on my lower half is, has been my main focus this, this fall. And so being able to, like, hone in on that, it's, it's huge. Awesome. Anything you enjoy doing outside of baseball? Fishing and hunting. That's Fishing and hunting. I love it. it. Awesome. This is Eric Brown, Jr. Thanks so much, yes, man. All right, again, that was Eric Brown Jr., middle infield prospect for the Milwaukee Brewers. A few more players to talk about before we get out of here today. Let's go over to the Texas Rangers and the Emiliano Teodo experience. I mean, it was really fun to see him. You know, Chris, you've been talking him up for a lot of the season here. I know you saw him earlier in the season for, what was it, in high A with Hickory. Yeah, Hickory. Hickory, Dickory, Doc. I don't know why that, that always gets in my head every time I say Hickory. But <laughs> Teodo obviously... One of the most electric arms in just the game of baseball in general, regardless of what level you're at. And kind of transitioned over to the bullpen later in the year, and he's been pitching entirely in relief. And the stats cut me into the Foster's game were just dominant. You know, he pitched in eight games, had five saves, 11 innings, three hits, no runs, three walks, and 19 strikeouts. So, you know, I, you know obviously I hadn't seen Teodoro yet because none of Texas's affiliates come anywhere near me. So, he was one that I was just really excited to see. And he came on, was that the I think it was seventh inning or eighth inning? I can't remember exactly. 
But uh, I said it was experienced because it really was. So obviously the stuff is is loud, fastball, slider combination, though that the veal did kind of drop a little bit later in the outing. But uh, 28 pitches, 13 strikes, give up a, a run, no hits, but two walks, two wild pitches, and two hit batters. It was just something else, man. But, you know, again, it's one outing. You know, who knows? Maybe it didn't, didn't feel great. Who knows? Like, didn't have his A stuff. But this is a guy that could just be a locked down, like, lights out, late inning reliever, you know, a big fantasy stud arm. Obviously, the command and control, as we saw, needs a little bit of refinement. That's why he's going to the bullpen. But again, Chris, like, this is a guy that could be, you know, really one of the better relievers in baseball in a few years. Yeah, I mean, the stuff's nasty. You look at a fastball up to 102. Yeah, it did dip a little bit, but I think he was overthrowing. It was a big crowd. Like, he was trying to impress, of course. And, you know, he had been just lights out all all fall league, as you had mentioned. So, you know, you look at one outing, it was whatever. But it it was not great, to say the least. But when you throw it consistently 100, you've got a 94 mile an hour change up in just an incredible slider at 88 89 like there's a lot to like there with with Teodo he pitches a starter basically all year but if this is an indication like I really do think that he's a bullpen arm which is fine because I think he'd be a lockdown reliever in the back of a pin which is why I can't go like too too high on him because the fact that he's most likely a reliever and everybody's kind of asking, like, where where's he going to jump to? Like, he's he's been in my 250 since last June. So, yeah, I'm not going to really push him too much higher because, one, he's a reliever, and two, you know, the command concerns. We saw that. Like, there's volatility, and while the stuff's good, you know, it's it's hard to bump somebody that's most likely a reliever too much higher. So, yeah, I love Teoto. I think stuff could be some of the best that there is in baseball. You know, with some refinement, he's young. He's still got some some room on his frame, so... Yeah, I'm I'm very intrigued by what he brings to the table for sure. Yeah, absolutely. He was even even though the outing was all over the place, literally, uh, it was still very fun to watch. And obviously, the the upside is pretty massive with him in terms of a fantasy reliever. So it's be fun to see what he does in in 2024 and beyond. Let's end the show here with the you know I knew we were gonna do an episode like this you know before we went out there and. But if you had told me, Chris, that we'd be ending the show talking about Ben Kasparius and Damon Keith, I would have thought you were crazy. But a couple of Dodgers prospects that really impressed. Now, Chris, you got, got a lot of good video of Kasparius and Damon Keith hit just an absolute bomb of a home run in our live look. Unfortunately, I didn't catch that on, on video because my battery was kind of going dead. I was trying to save my battery for some of the bigger names in that game. But this is a guy that you know, didn't have... Keith, excuse me, Damon Keith didn't have a, a great year. He was spent the entire year in high A Great Lakes, 106 games, 439 plate appearances, slash 229, 312, 373, 11 home runs, you know, only four steals. Didn't have a great showing, but it's been hitting the ball really hard out in the AFL 286, 357, 571, four home runs in 70 plate appearances, and Kasparius. He spent the year pretty split between high A and double A. And again, not a guy that impressed. He had 527 ERA in 107 and two-thirds innings, 140 whip, and a K rate just a little above 25%, walk rate a little over 10%. And he hasn't even been that great out in the AFL. 
you know, seven games, he made one start, six relief appearances, 14 innings, giving up 12 earned runs. So for a 7-7-1 ERA and a 1-5 whip out in the AFL, but, you know, looks really impressive. So are these two guys, you know, more so in deeper dynasty leagues, Chris, that you'd look to target just because, you know, they were impressive. But again, the in perceived value is pretty low in both these guys. So depending on your league depth, you could probably pick these guys up. Yeah, I'd bet on most of them probably being available. And, you know, it feels like one of those cases where it's like process over results for, for Sparis because the stuff is so good. And Keith, like, he hits the ball crazy hard. He had a 108.5 mile an hour ninth percentile last year. Like, that's super good power when you when you look at it. So, you know, I feel like the Dodgers just always find a way to unlock things in their prospects. And I believe that there's still more in the tank with uh, Keith as well. And so, you know, Damon Keith is someone – especially in a deeper league that I'd look and you know at least see what you can get for him because or at least see what it costs you and he's probably like you said he's probably available in most leagues which why not take a shot on the back end of the roster I mean yeah. if the contact rates tick up then I think there's something here struck out way too much but I don't know I didn't see the big holes in his swing like at all so that's the interesting thing it's like you know I kind of believe that we'll see more from him. Like as time moves on, I think there's still some development to be had. So I'm pretty interested overall in Damon Keith. And you know, I thought Ben Kasparis had some of the best stuff that I saw all week. And you mentioned the numbers haven't been good. You know, the walk rates have been high. He's allowed a lot of runs, but man, I don't know. That slider was incredible. His fastball was around 96. Like, I just watched like and was just pretty impressed because that was that was the night we were at surprise. And yep. he threw three innings, struck out seven batters, think he faced ten total. Like just doing everything you want to see. Like you know, nice ride on the fastball. He had a nasty looking sweeper that was what 81, 84, dumped in a curveball a couple times, but he also throws a change up and a cutter on occasion. So I don't know if this is a starter, but I'm willing to take a shot and at least see because, again, the Dodgers just do things and they find talent in these guys. And this feels like somebody that could take a step forward because the stuff is that good. Just got to throw more strikes. If he does, then, yeah, he probably takes off. What a shocker. Another intriguing Dodgers arm. It's like a never-ending supply of these guys. But, yeah, and like what we talked about, time and time again on this podcast, you know, the back doesn't matter like how, you know, more so in deeper leagues, but the back end of your prospect kind of pool, churn and burn. And these are guys that they're probably, unless you, your league rosters, like 500 total prospects that are probably out there on the wire. So yeah, just give a shot. If it doesn't work out, no harm, no foul. You move on to the next guy. So yeah, definitely two guys to keep an eye on entering 2024. That is going to wrap up the show though. You know, thanks to all the listeners for tuning in again. We hope you enjoyed it. It was really fun being out in the AFL. Always goes by too quickly, but we will be back out there again soon enough. And, you know, that gives us a little bit of a, you know, gets us through a little bit until we get spring training. Obviously, no more minor league games or live looks for a couple of months, unfortunately. But again, make sure to check out dynastydugout.com and toolshedfantasy.com for all of our rankings and more work from each of us. And join us again next time. But until then, Everyone take care.